Alright, uh, welcome back uh, to Here I Stand. Uh, this one's going to be pretty heavy. I am your host, uh, the Lutheran Libertarian, and uh, today I wanted to take a quick look at Romans 13 because there are those who treat this text as the end-all, be-all proof text when it comes to blind support of the state, of any government, uh, the state being any centralized government or power. Uh, first of all, uh, what sparked this is behavior I see online. Specifically Twitter, of course, because there are uh, those that believe religious liberty and uh, liberty in general isn't something we should be reasonably discussing during this time of panic and unrest. And what I cannot stand is the fact that this is coming from uh, the same folks who clamor on and on about leaving things up to experts who also seem to never apply a, a proper biblical anthropology to those in power. For example, Orthodox Christians of all stripes admit we live in a fallen world, that we are born into original sin, that we are simultaneously sinners and yet justified, and that our only Savior is Christ Jesus, except this seems to never apply to government, men and women who make up the state, who are just as sinful and fallen as all of us, and yet who just so happen to hold all of the power. Uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, cognitive dissonance, or at the very least, tension here. Uh, as sinful creatures, perhaps, we should be aware that there is always an agenda at play. I mean, I know I'm a wretch, so this conclusion doesn't shock me at all. Uh, I, I know I can fall snare to envy and avarice, anger, hatred, covetousness. And I would hope these folks I'm talking about would uh, be just as honest in their personal and spiritual evaluations of themselves as others. Uh, in his famous confession, St. Augustine meditates on his early life of sin and depravity. He says, quote, The evil in me was foul, but I loved it. I loved my own perdition and my own faults, not the things for which I committed wrong, but the wrong itself. And that comes from... Uh, Augustine's Confessions, of Book 2, Section 4. Now, clearly this realization comes after his conversion, which is why we need to uh, be all the more wary of St. Paul's introduction to the Book of Romans and uh, take it into consideration as we exegete the later passages of this epistle. Uh, mankind stands guilty of original sin, which is why St. Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men, who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men or birds or animals or reptiles. Therefore God gave them up in, their, in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. End quote. 
This is where the obvious bias comes from in uh, most quote-unquote conservative Christians who will take the sacred text and apply it to liberal or progressive Christians or atheists or pro-choicers in the LGBTQ community without ever blinking an eye. Uh, basically, they'll use it as their pet proof text in uh, these regards. But the problem is, St. Paul wasn't just discussing your favorite boogeyman or ideological or theological opponents. Romans 1 is universal. It applies to everyone. Now, why is it so hard to take this sacred text in its context and apply it to those in civil government? That's my sincere question when I see Christians online with good intentions chiding others for even uttering the word liberty. Uh, no friends. I... I I'm not being facetious. Once your civil liberties are stripped away from you, it is going to, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, in not-so-distant history, specifically the bloodiest century in human history, we've witnessed just that. And before you call me a fearmonger, I, I just simply want to prove to you all the importance of your individual liberties, uh, uh, ones you may take for granted now but will surely mince, miss of course, once they're gone. Uh, so let's look at a little bit of history and what happens when centralized, great centralized powers take control and, and stripped Christians, among other religious groups and minorities, of their civil liberties. And I'm specifically sharing statistics on Christian or religious death tolls because I, I want my fellow Christians to wake up and realize the state isn't as benevolent as we were indoctrinated to believe. Uh, what comes to mind is always Hitler, the Third Reich, and the Jewish, the Jewish Holocaust. However, in Nazi Germany, 5,000 Je Jehovah Witnesses died in concentration camps. 2,720 Catholic priests were imprisoned in Dachau alone. Uh, according to British historian Norman Davies, 714 mass executions were carried out in Poland in a matter of months between the summer and fall of 1939 and the invasion of Poland. Poland at this time was 65% Catholic. 3,000 Polish clergy were rounded up and 1,100, or I'm sorry, 1,992 died in Nazi Polish concentration camps including those like uh, Sister Edith Stein and uh, Franciscan friar Maximilian Kolbe. Uh, we, of course, know of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Sophie Scholl, and the White Rose Society as well. This doesn't even begin to get close to actual numbers of uh, Christians executed in Nazi Germany. And we're all aware of the Holocaust that took place against the Jewish people. Uh, and again, I'm not bringing this up simply to say, oh, well, we're Christians, so we should be treated higher in society. No, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm sharing this information to hopefully break whatever uh, uh, self-deception you have over yourselves, uh, whatever uh, lie uh, or false sense of security you, you think you have now. 
Returning to uh, Stalin's USSR, uh, there was much hostility and uh, anti-Christian sentiments. There was so much anti-Christian propaganda that came down from uh, this communistic regime, this government. From 1927 to 1940, 29,000, 29,000, probably quite historic, Russian Orthodox churches were dwindled down to just 500. That is profound. In 1937 alone, 85,000 85, Orthodox priests were executed under Stalin's Russia. Bishops, clergy, and laity alike were sent to gulags, which is why my tweet uh, from earlier wasn't a joke at all. Uh, uh, what does the USSR and Nazi Germany have in common? Well, they both had centralized government power, uh, the ability to silence the press, close down inst institutions like churches and other nonprofits, I'm sure, uh, seize the means of production and take complete control. Uh, Hitler really took power during a period of unrest in the fall of the Weimar Republic, not as an evil dictator at the time, but truly through political and democratic means of Germany's system. Crises are a means in which this happens, whether they be economic, a result of war, or the global pandemic we're experiencing now. And I, I'm not fear-mongering here. I, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just sharing with you what has happened in the past, historically. This is why religious liberty should matter to you. This is why, in following St. Paul, uh, Soviet gulag survivor and prolific author Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote, quote, if only, were, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessarily, necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. Uh, but the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? And that quote comes from his book, The Gulag Archipelago, which I own, but I could not get through because it was so real. I mean, this is what really happened to Alexander Solzhenitsyn in this book. But if you have the stomach for it, it goes deep into the depravity of Stalin's USSR. So check that out. Uh, I don't recommend it just because it is so very, uh, it, it's, it's very depressing. It's very sad. Again, under Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge regime, it is estimated by historian Ben Kiernan that 1.871 million people died, died due to mass ex executions, uh, I mean, during this time, uh, Cambodia was known as the Killing Fields, uh, and, and this included Chama Muslims, Cambodian Christians, and Buddhists. Uh, specifically, these religious minorities were targeted among those who looked even remotely like, uh, or like they belonged to higher middle classes, like the bourgeoisie. 
So the Khmer Rouge would literally look at look at people's hands to see if they had calluses. Uh, if anyone wore glasses, they would be sent away, which may seem morbid or vain to us in, in our Western mindset. But this occurred as recent as the late 1970s, before the fall of Pol Pot. And this isn't even uh, taken into consideration Mao's China. I mean, we don't even know the numbers of Christians or other minorities uh, uh, destroyed. And, and I, I, I recognize I say Christian as a minority. Well, at the time, and especially in China, even now, Christianity is the minority. And it is brutally being suppressed, whether we like to admit it or not. We like to uh, make up our boogeyman, right? We uh, we heard since Trump's election that, that uh, uh, Russia interfered with our democracy uh, and all of that. Let's get real. This this what I'm sharing with you now actually did happen. And I'm I'm not even taking into consideration the earlier French Revolution or even the persecution of the early church. This is just the 20th century alone, and this is where a lot of my skepticism comes from, and why I'm so put off by those that believe in a benevolent state with such profoundly centralized powers. These are centralized states. You may say, well, well, that happened over there, but, but such a thing could never happen over here. And, and I would have to point you to several historical, uh, to say abuses is, is even negligent, evils of the U.S. government. Chattel slavery, first of all, it, it may not have been a one-time genocide, but human beings made in the Imago Dei were nevertheless dehumanized and treated as livestock beaten, enslaved, and brutally murdered. And that's just as abhorrent as anything I've already mentioned. I mean, essentially, plantations were no better or less concentration camps for African-American people, people who were enslaved. Not to mention the concentration camps we did actually build uh, of our own in the West during World War II to imprison Japanese-American citizens. Now, you can make up every excuse under the sun. Uh, you could say we were worried about spies and this or that, or uh, terrorism, but, but the fact remains we did break into people's houses, their homes, who were citizens, and their places of business. We did round them up, and by that I mean mass kidnapping, and we forced them into camps ourselves. And there's no defense for that whatsoever. In fact, it blatantly denies the natural and moral law of God. Uh, this event happened during the time my grandparents were children. So, and I'm not putting on the tinfoil hat, but this is history I'm sharing. I want to make that clear. Recent American history. And we can go back and consider the Trail of Tears, the genocide of Native Americans, their forced migration. I mean, we, we have not been benevolent actors, and by we, I mean the state. So I, I get it, I really do. I, I wish I could be just as secure in this world. I wish I could be just as self-deceived and indoctrinated in this world. I wish I could believe the powers that that be would never resort to such heinous and abysmal acts of aggression against their own citizens. Uh, but the reality is, 
they have, and they do. Duncan Limp was a 21-year-old Maryland resident who owned firearms supposedly he wasn't supposed to be in possession of. And so what happened was, without a warrant, a no-knock raid took place, which turned into an execution, and Duncan was murdered in cold blood in his own home early in the morning. His girlfriend, who was a sleeping bystander in their own home, was also hit by gunfire. Luckily, she's okay. Uh, Duncan is dead now, though. He, he wasn't a hardened criminal, he wasn't violent, but due to the laws we have in place, unjust laws, whether you believe we have the right to self-defense or not, whether you believe we have civil liberties or not, whether you believe you have natural liberties or not, you are born with these. Uh, 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 whether you believe um, we should take up arms or not, uh, due to our unjust laws, a 21-year-old image bearer, someone made in the image of God has been erased at the hands of the state. And this happened less than a week ago. But you want to say, and you have the right to say it, that we should not be concerned with our liberties during this time of crisis. That to me comes from a place of profound ignorance, and I don't mean that offensively. I mean, I'm sharing this all with you now, so Perhaps you will like research it yourselves, but you know, go pick up the Google Log Archipelago and read it for yourself. A simple Google search uh, can show you case after case where the state, whether that be law enforcement or another agency, has brutally murdered innocent people, mostly young men, for petty crimes or supposedly, allegedly, petty crimes. That's not justice. That's not biblical justice. And you you may make every ignorant excuse for their deaths, but perhaps you need to uh, be aware and exit your Christian bubble. Here's what the Google search brought up, friends. Uh, and I just randomly searched. People murdered by cops. Quote, 23-year-old man named Miles Hall, who suffered from mental illness, was fatally shot by Walnut Creek Police in San Francisco on June 2nd, 2019. His family has filed a wrongful death lawsuit alleging that his civil rights, his civil rights were violated. Well, of course they were. He was murdered according to a report from a San Francisco CBS affiliate. Quote, Terrence Franklin was 22 years old and unarmed when he was fatally shot in a dark basement by many Minneapolis SWAT officers who were responding to a, a burglary in May of 2013, according to the Star Tribune. Ariane McCree was shot and killed by two Chester police officers in South Carolina after being detained for allegedly shoplifting at a Walmart. Shoplifting at a Walmart. On November 23rd, police claimed that the 28-year-old was placed in custody, then fled and showed officers a gun 
I mean, this contradicts itself. He was placed in custody. However, the family of McCree, who have filed a wrongful death lawsuit, claims that he was handcuffed with his hands behind his back when he was fatally shot. End quote. I could sadly go on and on and on. We know about Eric Garner and Samir Rice and so many others. Uh, civil right violation after civil right violation leading to murder after murder. The destruction of the Imago Dei under the pretense of the law. <clears throat> Whose law? Not God's law. The unjust laws of man. Mere mortals who seem to always get off scot-free though. And you want to clamor on and chide those who actually care about their civil liberties, especially during this time when, honestly, they can be so easily taken away. What about our natural God-given endowed humanity? The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, defends your well-being, your property, and your persons. And yet all of this, every evil, sinful action gets tossed aside by simply quoting, proof texting really, Romans 13. But not the entire chapter, in context even. Mind you, I, I brought up Romans 1 earlier because originally there were no chapter divisions or headers. But even without uh, taking the entire epistle into context, when it comes to the state, the civil government, faithful Christians who err, isolate the first verse of Romans 13 alone. And then apparently, that's supposed to settle it all. First off, this is where the bias in cognitive dissonance comes into play, because no one, no remotely honest exegete, whether they be an amateur or a scholar, would do that with any other verse. I mean, they still do, but they ought to know better. And yet, you'll read Romans 13.1, which reads, quote, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. End quote. And that's where you stop. That's it. It's there in the Bible. St. Paul said it. It's the inspired word of God at Theonustos, right? Never mind it. taking every warning about every de demonic activity, every shadow uh, of the state of fallen human, human depravity into consideration, never mind the entire scope of sacred scripture. That's it. That settles it. So let's unpack this. Back to Romans 13 we'll go. I'll appease you, I'll however encourage you to brush up on 1 John 4, 1 Samuel 8, and Romans 1 again. Uh, who is the prince of the power of the air, I ask you? I I'm sure that comes up in scripture, too. But let's go. Quote, Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good, good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of him who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you are, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. 
He is the servant of God to execute his wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay all of them their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. End quote. St. Paul contradicting himself? No. This, this is the law of God displayed in its full glory in the person and our Savior and God the second person of the most holy trinity, Christ our Savior. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. What did Jesus say? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What what did Christ do? As a suffering servant, the Angus a day, the lamb who takes away the world's sins. What did he do? He died for you and me and for the world. He didn't kill for you and me or the world. In fact, he rebuked the apostles for fighting as the world does, and he healed the one who was inflicted by the sword. Note how St. Paul concludes himself. Pay them their dues, owe no one anything except love. So, I mean, considering the isolation of the first verse, we can then conclude, you know, instead of reading and considering the context of the entire text, that we must <clears throat> we must submit to all authorities, right? Right? St. Paul doesn't use nation or tribe or province or whatever U.S. president. He says be subject. So, of course, we can deduce from that, then, that Nonak raids, concentration camps, chattel slavery, and even the Holocaust was ordained by God because it came about at the hands of his ordained authorities. You're twisting the text. You're twisting the text. And some of you actually believe that, by the way, and that's pretty fucking evil. No, by no means. That's not what the text is saying. It's not a defense of the godless laws of men and nations that will surely pass away. What does St. Paul say? What, is, what ultimately does St. Paul say? Love your neighbor. And we will never be able to do that if we believe that means a blind submission to whatever governing authority or authorities that take control. That's a truly terrible way to look at this sacred text. So I hope all of you clamoring bells will reconsider your extremely short-sighted theological outlook because those who are not in Christ will face judgment on the last day. 
Dear saints, we are already judged and covered by the blood of the Lamb, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. But those who are not will actually receive justice and due punishment. We seem to have forgotten divine vengeance these days. And, and so this quote from Croatian theologian uh, Anglican Miroslav Volf has this to say from his book. Uh, from his book, uh, Exclusion and Embrace. Quote, My thesis is that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance. My thesis will be unpopular with man in the West, but imagine speaking to people, as I have, whose cities and villages have been first plundered, then burned, and leveled to the ground whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit. Your point to them? We should not retaliate. Why not? I say the only means of prohibiting violence by us is to insist that violence is only legitimate when it comes from God. Violence thrives today secretly nourished by the belief that God refuses to take the sword. It takes the quiet of a suburb for the birth of the thesis that human nonviolence is a result of a God who refuses, who refuses to judge. In a scorched land, soaked in the blood of the innocent, the ideal will invariably die, like other pleasant captivities of the liberal mind. If God were not angry at injustice and deception and did not make a final end of violence, that God would not be worthy of our worship. I'm not joking. If you're, in quotes, I'm not joking. If your presupposition is that liberties do not, in fact, matter, we will meet once more in the gulags and finally in glory. I understand that's a pretty powerful statement, but unlike you, I'm not being facetious or talking half-heartedly. Once your humanity is stripped, once your liberties are gone, the world, the flesh, and the devil will gladly desecrate you and erase your image from this earth. For those who have ears that hear, uh, please consider this message. And please... For those of you who clamor like bells online, please consider this message. May the peace of Christ be with you all.